0: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the eCommerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today, uh, we're getting back to my roots. We're talking about SEO, search engine optimization. We brought on our director of SEO, Ms. Brandi Johnston. She is one of the foremost experts on this topic and especially for e-commerce. And so this is gonna be a lot of fun. I spend way, way, way more of my time now looking at paid ad opportunities with Google Ads and YouTube and, and Amazon ads. But this was fun. This was fun prepping for this show and talking SEO. I even had kind of like this flashback SEO conversation with a guy yesterday we'll kinda we'll kind of get into. Uh, but we'll be answering questions like, is SEO relevant for 2019? And and how do you gain traction with your SEO efforts and, and make it worth your time and use it to grow your business and all kinds of other fun topics? This episode of the eCommerce Evolution Podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top-of-funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So, I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. I am delighted to welcome to our show our director of SEO. But not only that, she is the current longest time OMG Commerce employee, except for me and my business partner, Chris Brewer. So Brandy, welcome to the show. Thanks for making the time.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's just set the record straight. You are the current longest tenured employee of OMG Commerce, and you started near April near, 11th, 2013. Whoa, that's very specific. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah. So, 2013. And, um,
1: in all fairness, I looked it up for, for prep because uh, that was one of the things I had to go back and say, what's happened since I started. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get into a lot of the ways SEO has changed because it's changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. And also, I just want to, for those that, that are unaware, for the, for the kids out there, um, or just those that are new to the game, SEO like used to be the thing that used to be the game, even and this was not that long ago when I first met Ezra Firestone. This was pre-Blue Ribbon, which is his current mastermind. Yeah. He ran an SEO mastermind uh, with some other guys and, and Chris Brewer and I were a part of it. And that was like the thing, like people were looking at... And, and it was interesting because there were members of that group who... There were some that were very white hat, like how do we just you know do what Google wants and get our site to rank high? There were some that were kind of gray hat where it's like, hey, I want to, for the most part, do the right thing. I don't want to get my site killed or get my client's site killed. But I'll maybe toe the line a little bit. And then there were some black hat dudes in that group uh, who were kind of mad scientists of SEO. Um, but you know, back in the day, you could you could do all kinds of stuff to get Google to rank your site. Uh, many of those now are the equivalent of, of uh, you know death warrant if you, if you do them. Uh, from Google. So anyway, we'll we'll get into we'll get into some of that uh, in just a minute. But but Brandy, give just a little bit of your background. How did you what did you do before OMG and how'd you become an SEO expert?
1: So it's interesting because um I'm about to turn 40 next week. So I have been reflecting on Congrats. like how did I get where I am? <laughs> um,
0: 40 is still young. That sounds yes. good. I'll be joining you soon.
1: Yes, yes. Um, anyway, but you know, I graduated college when you, when I was in high school, they said, go to school for something you love. And music was always something I loved. And so I went to school. I have a degree in music, vocal and instrumental is kind of, I do both. And then I graduated and I was like, what am I do now?
0: <laughs> I can teach. <laughs> so I, I can go to Broadway. Sometime. I didn't,
1: I didn't want to teach and per, I had performance anxiety. So I was like, okay, well that was a great <laughs> plan. <laughs> So I, um, I, I've i always had two passions, music and helping people. And so I started um, working as a fluke. I got an overnight job at a residential facility for kids in foster care that have a lot of trauma. And so these kids, are, they can't be in a home right now. Either they're um, too aggressive or they have some self-harm issues. You know, they're suicidal. So we, they have to be in a facility where there's intense therapy. So I started working in that. I worked in that for a long time. Um, and that sounds like how in the world did you make the jump for SEO? But really, if you think both of those um, fields make you think both in the bigger picture and in a, and in a very specific place, because in music you have to know where you are in the piece, in the in the orchestra, and are you making the right fingerings? Do you have the right and all of that? And with the kids with trauma, they don't have the social skills and the and the conversational skills to tell you what's bothering them. So you have to analyze everything around them to mm. figure out what's this trigger, and then help them talk through it. Which really set me up because when I look at, at a website, I can I'm pretty good at putting myself in a visitor's shoes because yep, so I had to important. do that with those kids, um, and like see things that could potentially be triggering or helpful or you know whatever. And so I think that even though i'm like i was uh my I have a tia, junior high kid and they had a uh, career day that, and i was like hmm what would i say for career day and i was like i'm going to go in there and be like mm, doesn't matter what you go to college for cuz you
0: may not end up working in that <laughs> you can change, change your mind anyway exactly. i love that i love that explanation of of having uh, an understanding of the, the big picture where I, where am i in history so to speak where am i in this context and then what are the very specifics? so it's almost like Thinking about strategy and tactics. What what is the overall strategy? How does how does Google work? What is my overall SEO strategy? What am I thinking about in terms of SEO? And then what's the specific tactic I need right now that's going to push me along and help me get there? Kind of like the, hey, this is our broader goal with this kid who's troubled. But what is the tactic right now when they're trying to hurt other people type thing?
1: And that's big in e-commerce because on a local client, you know, they've got 10 pages on their website. So you can think you can think kind of small with that, but when you've got a one of our clients has a uh, five hundred SKUs or five hundred thousand SKUs. That's just their product pages. Lot. Yeah, we so broke you're our crawler trying to crawl into that those site. Pages,
0: right? Just manually writing those title tags for those five hundred thousand pages.
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a huge site, so you have to keep an idea of where are we in the in the grand scheme of things, as well as I'm looking at this specific keyword ranking. Yep. How does that yep. work?
0: Love it. So let's talk just a little bit about um, how things have changed since 2013. Since you started in, in SEO, I think this is important because one, I think there's a negative stigma uh, around SEO. People don't want to invest in SEO just because they've heard horror stories and and they know you know Google Google doesn't like SEO uh, is what people hear or think, and so we just avoided it. Or you know, paid ads are just so much easier. So let's let's avoid SEO. I think some of that goes back to all of the uh, trauma of past SEO uh, uh, tactics and, and then the fallout there. So let's talk about what's changed. But before we do that, uh, it was really fun. I had a call yesterday with a, a, a new e-commerce business owner. Prior to e-commerce, he had a lead gen business, and yeah. he told me that his goal used to be when he would go to marketing events, his goal was his goal was to meet Matt Cuts. Now. If I just said that name and you and you smiled or you laughed or you, your eyes lit up, then you're an SEO person from long ago. If you're like, "Who the heck is Matt Cutts? then you're a newbie to this game and you don't know you don't know SEO. But Matt Cuts, he was the head of the web spam team for Google, and so and he was with Google from from near the beginning, not the exact beginning, but it, everyone in the SEO community like lived to hear Matt Cuts. Announcements. It was like the voice of the king making a declaration that would then, you know, the, the reverberations would be heard throughout the SEO world. And so anyway, I just thought it was great. I hadn't heard the name Matt Cutts in quite some time or people thinking about Matt Cutts. So um, with that kind of fun backdrop, or at least fun for us SEOs, what, what has changed since 2013, Brandy?
1: So much. Um, you know, we had major updates for Penguin and Panda, which were both big um, hummingbird and I was thinking the other day. And I think that
0: Penguin, just to clarify those those were really aimed at
1: um, low quality and
0: sites and and spammy activities. Like really trying to limit some of the black hat stuff that I was talking about before. Right. Those were aimed at at limiting or eliminating those spammy tactics.
1: Yeah, I I always tell tell people you know a lot of times when people think about SEO they think about buy a thousand backlinks from China and get on page one. And that doesn't work anymore. It did at one point, yep. <laughs> um, but Google it doesn't.
0: destroyed that.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you've think. got Hummingbird, which kind of humanized search, RankBrain, um, and then the 14 mobile Geddens that we've had. There's probably only three, I'm exaggerating. But, but you know, there was a long time that Google was trying to figure out what it was going to do with mobile, and everybody was kind of like, how does that work? And now we're looking at over half of the searches um, are done on mobile. And yeah so,
0: and, and just to provide a little context this is the name of these um seemingly fuzzy lovable animals you know pandas and and penguins and then hummingbirds maybe not lovable uh those were those were algorithm updates so this is google saying hello big shift in the way we're ranking sites and the way we're structuring our algorithm to decide who goes where this is a big shift and this shift this panda shift as an example was well, explain what was what was Panda aimed at at um, cleaning up.
1: Um, I may get them ba- confused. Panda, I think, was the back the backlink one, right? Or is that Penguin? Uh, I'm confused because yeah. yeah. they're both P. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, yeah.
1: Panda was about content yep. um, because used to it was kind of it was real basic. It was like if I have the word plumber on my website enough, Google will rank me for plumber. Um, but then you get on a website and you would see like awful things that look like somebody who doesn't speak English wrote because sometimes there were people and yep. and so Google started looking for reader readability and like does is this really for people or are you trying to spin things for um for bots and and to, to rank? And so they kind of helped that content along. Um Become more user friendly, and that's really the biggest thing that's changed in in Google and in, in SEO. Is it's more about how do we market to the search engines, and how do it, and now it's more how do we serve the customer? Yep. Because yes. Yep. It, it used to be we'd have to do two. We'd have to do the search engines and the customers, but now it's pretty much the same. You just, if you serve your customer, Google will most likely reward you.
0: Yeah, and and Google started looking at things like time on site and Mm -hmm. how are people consuming and interacting with your site and and then dinging low quality sites as kind of part of the Panda update. And then yeah, the Penguin update is more about spammy backlinks and over-optimizing and things like that. But yeah, it really, I I think it's great because one, it's better for users. You don't want to have these crappy results in, uh, in, in your search engine results page uh, and it makes it a little more straightforward for us, just like you said. Now you're thinking about, hey, just do what's right for the user. That's mainly going to take care of you with Google. And so, so yeah, um, interesting. Any any other thoughts on on changes? Because there there have been a lot.
1: Um, I, well, again, I was just reflecting, and I was thinking, like, that's. I think having all of that happen, and I think every you know other month I came in, there was some new major algorithm update. It kind of taught me that whereas we we might have been open to a little more gray at the beginning, I, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, we just need to do this the straight, the straight yep. do it right. Because we really don't want to go to a client and say, hey, remember all that work that you paid us to do? Well, it was kind of gray and now we have to go fix it all. Yep. Uh,
0: yep. And yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's just not, not worth it. And I remember that this was long ago. This was when it was the first wake-up call for me, but it was a, a buddy of mine uh, had a core business. His business was going great. He wanted to launch this little e-commerce site. It was just for, kind of for fun. And uh, he wanted to kind of push the envelope on SEO. And so we, we, we did some crazy linking, uh, back linking things. And I remember the day that the, the Google bots destroyed us and it was like a tank you know just crushing our little site and it was gone forever you you could after google dn that they completely the of the site Okay, it was part of the the penguin update uh, and and you could search for the name of the site and not even find it it was like the site was dead to google once
1: it's out of the index yeah
0: yeah and that was the indication like or the the clearest picture to me like this is not just do it the right way cuz you don't want to be Staying awake at night, wondering if the, the Google bots are going to annihilate your, your site. You
1: don't want to wait for them to come find you.
0: Yes, exactly. exactly. So let's talk about some, some kind of quick wins, easy wins that e-commerce companies are overlooking. And then we'll, we'll maybe move into some not so quick and easy wins, but still wins to be considered. So let's start with easy first.
1: So one of the things that I always want to tell people is Google your name. Like Google the name of your company and what comes up. Because first of all, you'd be surprised how many people don't even know that they have bad reviews, that they have, um, you know, an old Facebook page that's presenting a, a mismatched logo and all of that stuff is something that your your users are going to do, especially if you look at like the younger generations, they care about who they're buying from. So making sure that you have that, um, that your your story is told. Um, in a in a in a cohesive way. Also, if you're looking and you start googling yourself, and you notice that maybe you moved five years ago, and your address is wrong, Google's going to see that as an inconsistency. It wants to see everything is um, consistent. And so, you know, if you've got a name that that lends itself easily to um, fluctuations, that's all stuff. You know, your Facebook page, your Twitter page, your all that stuff is stuff that you control. It really would be pretty easy just go in and make sure all the logos match and. Make sure all the addresses match and things like that. Um, another really easy win is to go through your analytics site for pages um, that don't have any traffic, especially if it's a blog, and especially if you do have a lo- a long blog that's gone back, you know, several years. And um, if you've got stuff that's not giving you anything, delete those. Um, get rid of them, rework them, whatever. And that that gives you. Um, it kind of helps you in the index. We've seen major lifts just by deleting like pages that don't get any traffic because it shows that you're really concerned about what people are actually looking at. And so just like if you were in a retail store and you have a display that nobody ever buys from, you would probably get rid of that display. Yeah. If you have yeah. pages that are just sitting there, not doing anything, get rid of them, rework them, do something. Um, and that's pretty easy because mm-hmm. you don't have to do much. You just delete. Yep, Except delete, the,
0: delete, maybe update, like that. but what you're saying is, is Google, Google likes seeing activity and changes mm-hmm. on the site. And so cleaning up this old dead page, Google likes that. And, yes. and, and you get some lift from it. typically.
1: Right. right. Um, and then the only other thing I tell people is, you know, I think sometimes as e-commerce, since we don't have most of the time a physical store to go into, we don't think about the aesthetic. Um, of the website. But heard a really great quote that talks about if you would walk into a retail store, if you're going to open a retail store, you would think about, what do I have on the walls? What do I have? like All of this kind of ambiance kind of thing. Your website is the new retail store. So make sure that when you land on that homepage that you can tell what's going on and and you can see that brand story and, and what goes on in that. And those are all things that are fairly easy to control.
0: Yep. And, and so, so getting that, what what is the... Translate that into an SEO benefit for us. So we have this cohesive look, um, that the shopping experience is good. How does that help us with SEO?
1: So you've got people... So if you're on the technical side, if you have the same messaging, it it increases your um, authority. So if you're like I said before, if your address and phone number and your name are the same everywhere on Twitter, Facebook, and all of that, um, Google sees that as a ranking signal. That's okay. That that it really is their name. That really is their address. And that really is their phone number. Um, and then, you know, I've seen before um, sites. The example I like to use is we had an insurance company that when I did the audit, they had a lot of like flashing images flying by and things like that. And I was like, guys, buying insurance is one of the most stressful things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Your site doesn't need to stress people out. Mm-hmm. Because what I would see if I, okay, I got to go buy insurance. I'll look an insurance company and I'll click on that. And then I bounce off of it because it stresses me out. And then that bounce rate, Google sees that and says, well, obviously this page isn't what we're looking for. And so then you, your ranking goes down.
0: Yep. Yep. And that is definitely something Google is looking at. If someone clicks on your organic listing from the Google search engine results page, SERPs, as we like to call them, if, Google, if someone clicks on that on your listing and then they bounce right back to the search results and keep going looking for something else, Google is going to kind of consider that a fail probably. That, that your site did not deliver what someone was looking for and that can work against you, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about content. So I know you say content is huge. A lot of what you do is in the SEO department and as the SEO director is creating and, and tweaking content and making it work for SEO. Um, mm-hmm. how, is, how and why is content important and how do you kind of approach it?
1: Well, so there's a lot of different aspects to content. Um, you've got like your meta tags. Um, so your meta title, it shows up in your browser. Um, tab, the little tab on your browser. Um, that's one place you can see it. But the most important thing is that it shows up in your search results as you're like that big headline that, that comes up in your SERP listing. So you want it to be engaging because you want somebody to, to see that and click on it. Um, and then also it has, to, it needs to, I mean, there's still the whole make sure that it's short enough that it doesn't get cut off and make sure that it has a keyword in it. Um, because those are the things that help you rank. So Google's looking at that and people are looking at that. And then you've got your meta description, which is, um, you know, your like five second, Google doesn't really pay attention to it, but it's got like five seconds to catch somebody's attention. So that little thing is kind of your sales pitch. Um, Once you get on the site.
0: And well, let's just talk about the the meta description a little bit because it it is important. It's something that... Google used to crawl that and consider what was in the meta description. And that could that was a ranking signal. Mm-hmm. They got rid of that long, long time ago. But the meta description shows up to go back to the SERP, it shows up right under the headline. So to, right. so to think about your your organic listing in in ad language, the title tag is your headline. Meta description is really the body of that of that listing. And so if you can craft that in such a way that it that it hooks people and makes people want to click, that actually works in your favor, right?
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> so even though Google doesn't pay attention to it, people do. Um, and also, if you have the keyword in that, Google will highlight it, mm-hmm. um, and in some instances, so that's helpful. Um, when you get on the page, so Google's kind of moving toward less of a like one one keyword per page, they're getting better at especially with like voice search and machine learning and things, they're getting better at making keyword keyword groupings, understanding a topic instead of just keywords. So we don't look at like make sure that this page has this keyword and then this slight variation has a different page and this slight variation. What we want is—is
0: that that used to be part of the game, right? You you would right. try to build a unique page for every keyword you wanted to rank for.
1: I have it built pages make sense that to, were to users. Yeah. that was uh, heating for this city and heating for this city and heating. You know those those pages because yep. we wanted to rank for those specific terms. Now Google's smarter than that. Um, and in fact, that kind of looks spammy, and and can end up being those pages that you want to delete because they're not getting any traffic anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you want to do is you want to think: what answer does this product or category or blog, you know, what what answer does it provide? Like what what predicament, what pain point, what question are people? Do I want to answer for people? So if somebody Google's how do I make homemade vanilla syrup. That's what I want to answer. I want to answer that completely about that entire topic. So I might say, you know, the vanilla bean was first harvested, and you know, something just to kind of give some history on it. But the the more information that you can give, the less likely people are going to have to go back to Google and look for more information. And the more that you can get an entire set of keywords for one piece of content. Yeah. So it's all about complete content and keyword groupings instead of just one keyword for like 200 words on a page.
0: Makes sense. Yep. And so the so the, the analogy you just used there, how, how to make your own server or whatever. Yeah. So that that's going to be more of a, a blog post, more of a, a true content page. Right. But content is also something to consider when you're looking at your category or collection page, even your product detail page. Free commerce. What what are what are your advice uh, points of advice there?
1: So a lot of times the category page gets missed because people are like, oh, it's just the category page. It's just got all the stuff on it. But that's actually going to be one of your strongest pages for ranking because uh, the more general your search becomes, the more competitive it is, and also. Um, the larger volumes you're going to have because mm-hmm. that's like kind of the beginning of the process as people are starting to look. They may not know that they need to look for your specific product, but they know what category it falls in. Mm-hmm. And so that page is going to rank better. For the most part, you have to have content on it for that to to do it because not only do you need some words on the page for Google to be able to tell what's there, but... Uh, or what that page is about. But when somebody lands, they you, they just don't want to be thrown into a sea of products. You're going to give them a little background on what your brand's story of that category is and how they can, they can um, benefit from using your brand versus the competitor because the market is so saturated, you really have to stand out. And so it's becoming less about this... I mean, there are still some unique products out there, but a lot of times you're not the only one selling. So it becomes about your brand story and how your, your story frames that category page or that, that product.
0: Yep. I love it. And and I think it's spot on. You know, if you look at, you'd use a couple of analogies, I mean like, or a couple of examples. I mean, uh, leather sofa as an example, leather sofa is going to have a lot higher search volume, a lot more people searching for leather sofa than someone searching for a specific brand of leather sofa. Right. And so if you want to rank for leather sofa, it's going to be a category page is going to rank for that because Google knows if I type in a query like leather sofa, I'm probably browsing, I'm shopping, I'm looking for options. And so a category page will help do that. Or, uh, travel backpack, as an example, that's mm. probably going to return results that are category pages rather than a specific product page. And so I, I completely agree. I think people that have Shopify stores overlook their collection pages, um, or your category pages, if you're on another platform, um, you're overlooking that. And so what, what are some of the considerations there? Is it kind of the same thing, title tags still, maybe some content on that collection page? What, what, are, what are your tips there?
1: Yeah, I would say um, definitely make sure that it's a, an optimized meta tag and an optimized um, meta description. And then uh, usually I shoot unless they're actually Matt Cuts is I think the one that said this where somebody asked him like how many words tribute,
0: should somebody. Tribute to Matt Cuts. Thank you, Matt Cuts, for all you did. If you're listening out there, thank you for all you did <laughs> before you retired from Google.
1: <laughs> but no, one of the things he said, somebody asked him something along the lines of how many pages or how many words should be on my page. And he mm-hmm. said, as many as it takes.
0: Yeah. And, and it's so funny. That used, used to be the thing, though. he used to be thinking like, well, uh, every page has to have 300, you know, 300 words on it. Like, Why? That's so dumb. That doesn't make it I
1: know. And I used to write pages and I would be like, I have 200 and I have nothing left to say.
0: <laughs> and it's like <laughs> writing
1: that paper in college yeah, where yeah, you're like... I'm gonna. I'm gonna need to use some filler sentences at this Mm -hmm, point. mm -hmm. Um, And so, and I, I really think it it takes how many words it takes. I mean, if you're selling something that's like kind of cool, like a you know, like a beauty brand, obviously you're gonna have more to say about. You know, there's a lot more um, flowery words that can go along with something. But if you're selling something like auto parts. You might still have a lot to say, um, but it just you just want it to match what, the audience. Yep, it goes yep. back to who is looking at this. You're not just writing about your product. You're writing for a, a customer so that they kind of, it sounds a little dramatic, so that they fall in love with your <laughs> with your product. And then yep. they become, not only do they want to buy it once, then they become a brand loyalist and they start advocating
0: Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. And I, and I think the first step is, just increase engagement, right? We increase engagement first, and then they kind of fall in love with us over time. And and but also remembering that that engagement, that greater page depth, so someone spending time on the uh, the page, also clicking around on your site, those are good metrics that Google likes to see and mm-hmm. can actually help in your rankings. And so my thought is on a category page, what what information would help the shopping process? Mm-hmm. What do you need to describe about that collection or that page? to allow someone to browse and shop better with with greater understanding, with greater awareness, to, to make them want to click more. And, and yeah, don't try to hit some arbitrary 300-word target for your collection page. That, that doesn't matter. Um, have enough on there for someone to say, ooh, okay, now I understand these leather sofas a little better. Now I see kind of... Uh, you know this 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 collection. All these leathers are from this region. Whatever, uh, it right. makes you want to shop more. That's what you want to do with your content.
1: It goes back to your unique selling point. Like, okay, you, leather sofas. I can go to like, you know, any heart, any uh, furniture store and buy leather sofa. Why should I choose yours? Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that. I always in audits. I always try to give people the example of when we talk through. You want to determine the journey that you want your customer to take so mm-hmm. that's going to go through a category page and make that the path of least resistance while educating them along the way
0: love it love it what about what about product pages tips and advice for how to make your product pages seo friendly and and anything that that people are typically missing with their product pages
1: um i think you're it, it, you come, it comes back to just making sure that it's unique. I mean, I see a lot of duplicated um, content on product pages. Um, if the product is very similar... Um, first of all, if the product is similar enough, you could potentially combine that and make it a drop-down option. Like if you have five different t-shirts and you know they're all five colors make that a drop down for one on one right. page instead of having a blue t-shirt page and a red t-shirt page. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Which is the way it works. If you're running Shopify or something, you're going to have a, a, a parent with child uh, right. ACE here, with child SKUs or, 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 you know, uh, configurable versus non-configurable stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree.
1: Yeah. Make sure you have an engaging title, something that that really describes the product, but don't, Overwhelm. I've seen some people try to do that Amazon, you know, the kind of spammy Amazon thing where they put all the keywords in the title, uh-huh. I'm like just say what it is. Yep. <laughs> add some, add some descriptors, um, just to kind of pull people in. Have good. Pro- I think the biggest thing to look at is again, you're not telling people about your product, you're telling people how your product's going to answer their problem, mm-hmm. and so make sure that the product page speaks to that. So. You know, if you've got leather sofa, like, do you have kids and dogs and you need a sturdy sofa that's not going to rip? Well, our leather is from wherever really good leather comes from. I don't know. (laughs) Not sure. Um, It's, you know, it's really great. It's scotch guarded. It's got a warranty, you know, all of those things. Think about who your person is that you're, that's wanting to look at that and answer the questions that they have before they even know they have them. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, and and going multimedia is good, right? So, so yeah. obviously with e-commerce, having multiple pictures and really good quality pictures is is key. I was consulting with a, a guy recently getting ready to launch a business. A lot of his product detail pages had one picture and was not; they were not mm-hmm. excellent pictures of the product. So, again, increasing time on site, increasing the shopping experience, and going back to what you mentioned about you know online is the new storefront. What would I need to see? What would I do with the product if I was going to buy it? And I was looking at it in the store. I'd probably pick it up and turn it around and all that. Uh, allow for someone to do that with your images. So multiple images, videos are important, right? Often, say demonstration you know, videos are big. Demonstration videos, yeah. Rich content, and diagrams, and schematics and things. I, I'm seeing so many. If that makes sense for your, if it's a technical product, we're seeing a lot of our clients now do kind of long form product detail pages. Where they're they're listing videos they're listing descriptions uh, here's how to use this um, and and all of that kind of plays together increase the time on site it does add content that Google can kind of sink their teeth into and understand what's going on um, and it just kind of all works together um, any tips on on images and, and videos like does do alt tags matter anymore the way the way we tag our stuff does that matter still
1: alt text alt tags do matter Um I would say definitely do that. I'll do the alt tagging. Um, it's easy in a lot of platforms because they recognize it, and so they'll have a little space to put alt tags. Um, and the best practices there is you're put keywords in it, but make it natural—a description of what's in the page mm-hmm. or what's on the image. Um, the other thing is um, if you can mark it up with schema markup, that helps because then it can help, like especially videos, it could help them rank on their own. Um, images as well because Google has uh, Google Images now. Now it's been around for a while. But they uh, they have that as an option. So you could, depending on the visual aspect of your product, you could potentially show up in that and then somebody will click on the image because they think it looks cool and then they're on your website. Yep. Um, so that's another way that somebody can get to you.
0: Awesome. Um, and, and so uh, thoughts on, can you talk a little bit about schema? And, and what that is and how that's becoming more important. And then let's kind of talk about the Google knowledge graph just a little bit too, if, if we can.
1: Okay. Um, so the schema um, is a markup language. Um, my little spiel is, you know, uh, the beginning of, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, Google Yandex being in Yahoo, I think, is who was. They all came together, and they wanted to have a, a language that made it easier for a user uh, or a consumer, like a, a business website, to be able to tell them what's on the site without them having to parse what's on the on the in the content and everything. And so they created Schema.org is um, the markup language. It is basically gives you all of these different um, options as far as you know, you have like a parent category and then you have um, attributes to that. So you will say like, this is a product. Um, It's this product, it's this category. Um, Here's, it's, um, the offer is, you. this is how much it is in US dollars and it's in stock and it's available and you go through all of those different attributes. You can mark up um, your location with like GPS coordinates um, and you can also use like the Google Map um you can mark a
0: way up. For, it's a way for the search engines to have a standard so that when they crawl mm-hmm. your site, if you have if you have markup, if you have schema markup, you have that language, they know exactly what something is. Um, rather than you put your own creative spin on things, which you can still do, but just have the the markup on there and then and then the search engines know exactly what that is.
1: And there are a couple of different ways to mark it up. And one of them, it actually just puts brackets and code around the existing content on your site. Yeah. And so you could still get as creative as you want and then just put that around it. And then Google will read that as, oh, this is a description of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very valuable.
0: Yep. Awesome. And then how does that tie into knowledge graph? And then, and then can you share maybe an example or two? Because I know you've, you've done an amazing job of getting some of our clients for their products, for their business to really have detailed um visibility in, in the knowledge graph.
1: So this there's a lot of different aspects um, that schema can get you. Um, if you ever see um so there's the knowledge graph, which is um basically a panel that on the side that will tell you everything about a certain topic or um a knowledge panel that'll do uh, about a brand. Um, so The example, we just did a training not long ago on this and we we brought up the example of McDonald's. So if you Google McDonald's, it'll have the name, it'll have what it is, it'll say fast food company underneath it. It'll have an option to share that, the logo, and then beneath it is everything from its stock information to its founder, when it was founded, You know, multiple locations, and then all of its social media. A lot of that comes from Wikipedia, but some of it comes from markup on the website, especially as you get into smaller... um, companies. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one aspect you can get that kind of knowledge graph to pop up. That's another reason I always recommend people Google themselves because if they don't have a knowledge graph, then that's something that we'll work on with our clients. That's that's what we work on getting for them. Um, And then if you ever Google a product and you see the stars underneath it, that it's like a 4.9 rating out of 5... That's done most of the time with some sort of markup. Um, it's not always schema, but it's some kind of markup. Um, the answer boxes that come up. So if you type in um, chicken noodle soup and it gives you a box that has all of the the step-by-step in the recipe, that's mostly done through markup. Um, you can do a recipe Uh, Markup to do that as well. So all of that extra stuff that comes up outside of just the regular ads and the um, organic listings, most of that is done with schema markup.
0: Got it, love it. So we're we're just kind of recap a little bit what we talked about so far. You know, we're we're thinking in terms of the user. uh, We're we're trying to to uh, keep people on our side and get them shopping and browsing. We're writing our our titles to be like good headlines, but also have keywords Mm -hmm. and be descriptive. We're writing our our meta descriptions to be like good ad uh, body copy and get people to click on our, our listings. You know, we're structuring our category pages and product pages so people consume it and there's rich media and everything. And then we tag everything and make everything clean and easy to understand for Google. All that works together. And over time, we start to see pretty impressive results uh, where that organic traffic can just grow and grow and grow and kind of builds on itself too, right? How, how, does, how does SEO kind of build on itself?
1: So uh, the main difference when, when people ask me or when people are coming from a paid perspective and they want to know how SEO is going to work, I always tell them, first of all, it, it's not going to be immediate. So right. so with an ad, I can I can create an ad and turn it on and then tomorrow it can run. Whereas it takes Google a little longer sometimes to crawl your site. It really depends on how often they're crawling. We have ways of submitting a new URL to Google. Um like saying, "Hey, this is new," and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> um, and so, you're usually looking at a couple of months before you really start to see some engagement and some some movement in that. But the other side of that, so yeah, it's a longer it's a longer thing. But the other side of that is, if I create an ad and it runs this week, and then I turn it off, that ad is done. Mm -hmm. But if I go in and I, you know, update my schema today and a year from now, that schema is still there and it's still benefiting me. Um, So that's how it builds on itself is that what we do today, we don't have to usually, unless something changes or breaks, redo it. Again, it just, we just, it's that optimization stays there. And there are things like content that you want to keep fresh, but some of that technical stuff and that, um, branding stuff and all of that, it just builds on itself.
0: Fantastic stuff. I love the longevity of SEO. And even though it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, Mm -hmm. you're right. You can start building pages, building resources. And and as they get more traffic, more visibility, more people share them, consume them, they'll rank higher, then there'll be more traffic and it kind of snowballs. And it can be a really, really valuable thing, long-term asset for you. It's just not a quick Usually not a quick fix uh, per se or uh, you know, uh, build something today, rank awesome tomorrow. It happens on occasion, but not usually. Um, let's get nerdy for just a minute uh, before we move into some resources and, and guides and things people that uh, can check out on their own. But if you wanted to wow someone with your, your nerdiness, uh, what's one of the, the nerdiest SEO topics you could talk about? Um, and we can also maybe impress some of our more advanced SEO people as well.
1: Um, So there, I mean, schema usually makes people go, "Huh?" Sometimes because
0: you're talking <laughs> yeah. about markup
1: language, and then they're exactly. like, "Is that like code?" And like,
0: yes. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yep. Um,
1: but you know, some of the things that I kind of get wowed with things, and then I kind of learn them, and then I move on. So some of the things that we're kind of looking at right now that that are currently kind of fun, um, cross-domain Rel canonicals are really fun, and that's. So the, the basic rel canonical basically says that there's, there's a page. We know that there's another page that's a, it's very similar or the same content or same page. We want you to only pay attention to this one and ignore that one. This is just for the bot. So the user still sees it, but um, the second page, but we're telling Google to ignore it. Right. So a cross-domain rel canonical is telling Google, so this isn't just another page on our site. It's actually on another site. And we want you to pay attention to that page, on, not on our site. So the the example that we have is we have a client that has um, the the set of products, and they have one one line of products that's not fit that doesn't really fit in one hundred percent with the rest of their products. So they created a new website for that that part of the product. And so we, but those pages still live on their original site as well. So we did the cross domain rel canonicals to tell Google, don't pay attention to the ones that are on this, the main site, go to this other site and pay attention to those. So that helps build that, that smaller brand, that smaller site. Um, so that's kind of yeah. our
0: nerdy. Yeah, I like it. And then just to, and then I'll just add a little bit to that. So yeah, the, the, the rel canonical tag is just telling Google, Yes, there are multiple pages that are essentially the same. Just pay attention to this one, and then all of the links and authority that are that are in those other pages kind of get funneled into the one page. And you can the cross domain just means we're now creating a tag that's saying these are all the same page, even though they're on different domains or different sites. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that it's like some people will have, and this isn't always relevant. Uh, I, I like having everything on one domain typically, but maybe you have a, a site for wholesale clients and one for uh, consumers and and you know a lot of that can be done in on one site now but there there could be some reasons why you'd have the same piece of content on multiple domains, use the cross domain rel canonical tag and that fixes things where Google doesn't feel like, oh, we get a bunch a bunch of instances of the same page, which Google doesn't really like per se. And so this kind of fixes that.
1: Well, and Google will pick which one it likes. So if it cont- it comes across five pages, it will just pick one, and mm-hmm. there there's a possibility it's picking the one that you don't want it to pick. Like maybe yep. it's not, maybe it's not as fast as as the one you want it to do. And so this just is just another factor to say this. It's a way to give you control over what Google's indexing.
0: Yep, awesome. Other nerdiness, SEO nerdiness. You can share.
1: Okay, so there I'm going to give kudos. It's uh, Brian Dean Black. Black hat? Well, no, that's not black hat. Uh, <laughs> black link link go. go.
0: yeah. That black hat um, buddy, it's good stuff. Yeah.
1: This is where this is where I learned this, but it's zombie pages, and so we talk about this a lot with clients now, and we've actually talked about it on this podcast so far. But it's those pages that do nothing for you, hmm. but eat up server space and crawl space, and people, you know, that nobody's visiting it. It's not ranking for anything. It's just sitting there doing nothing. Um, and you know, we've seen. Case studies in the industry that show that you start removing that and you get jumps in traffic because it just clears up what most of the time those aren't ranking because they're not very good quality. They may not fit into your brand. They may not, you know, they may be old or spammy. And so when you remove that, it kind of goes, oh, this is what it's about, and it helps clear up that that um, aspect. We actually see these zombie pages a lot on Shopify. Um, we, I love Shopify, but this is the one thing that I'm always like, we got to look at this. And it's because people will use their cat, their collection pages to categorize for sales. So they'll say like quarter one sale and that'll be their category or their, their collection. Well, the thing is that um, Shopify will automatically put that in the sitemap as a valid collection and submit that. And so then that gets indexed. And there's no content on it. We don't have it optimized. It's like a month long, and then you've and then if you don't clean them up, you've got all of these collection pages that are doing nothing for you. And so, one of the first things we do if we find out somebody's on Shopify is we go through the sitemap, we go through all their collection pages and clean that up.
0: Yep, love it, love it. Real canonical, cross domain, real canonical tags, zombie pages. What more could you ask for when you're looking to really nerd out on complex SEO? Um, Or just stuff that sounds complex, anyway. Um, What are some of your, as we kind of wrap up here, what what are some of your favorite SEO resources? So for people that maybe this helped renew their passion for SEO, maybe it helped them for the first time say, hey, I should probably consider my SEO activities. What are some of your favorite resources, sites, blogs, things like that to educate people on SEO?
1: So I'm a big proponent of more data is better and you just kind of um, the phrase is, you know, uh, pick off the meat and spit out the bones. So, you know, you're going to have a lot of different sources and sometimes you you pull things from all different areas. So Moz is a go-to. Um, the Whiteboard Fridays are great because they're very engaging. Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Land, the Google Webmasters blog, Backlink O, that's really, those are all good for general and e-commerce SEO. Yep. If you're looking at... Um, if you have like a local store as well, looking at Blumenthal's blog, Local U, White Spark, and Bright Local are really good for that location-specific getting traffic in the door. If you have that as well, Schema Map app, sorry, Schema App is has a really great Schema Bootcamp. So if that's something you want to go through, um, there is a cost involved with that, but um, it teaches you all about Schema Markup and goes through all the different products um, or all the different markups you can do. Um, Analytics and Search Console are the big Google Analytics and Search Console are go- are the big ones because that's going to give you a lot of data. Think with Google has a really good mobile site speed test, and this is for our crawlers. We we like Moz, um, SEMrush, and Screaming Frog. Um, and then if you want to drown yourself in keyword data, Answer the Public is really cool because it will give you all of the um, real time uh, related. Searches that are coming up. So those suggested searches, they crawl that and they give it to you in a really cool visual.
0: Yeah, Answer the Public is so cool. Yeah, just go, go there, AnswerthePublic.com. Go there, check it out. Start searching for keywords related to your your topic, your product, your category. I think it'll blow your mind.
1: I will say the free version only lets you search in the UK, but you can kind of get a, a um, idea for it, and then and then you'll be hooked, and then you'll want to get it, and then you can search in the US. Yep. Awesome. And then we always, we have a list of Chrome extensions that I always use. And that's Google Structured Data Testing Tool, um, Advanced Web, Web Raking Studier. That's a mouthful one, but it gives you a compile. So you know,
0: we'll, we'll link to all these in the show notes. You can go to uh, ecommerceevolution.com. We'll have, we'll have a link to all these in the show notes. If mm-hmm. you're driving, you can't write these all down, but yeah, but keep going, Brandy.
1: Right. Um, SEO Quake, Google Tag Assistant, um, those are all free, all those so far that I've listed. MozBar and Browserling do have paid versions that we use, but they're really good as well. Um, I would say as many tools as you can use that can give you something, none of them work perfectly. None of them give you every single piece of data. Um, So, pull in as much as you can. And then what overlaps, you just kind of have to pull it all in and evaluate. Yep. Um, is this actually a problem? Is this actually something that is happening? And we do a lot of manual stuff. So we'll use these tools to give us the stuff, but then I'll go and actually do a Google search or I'll go and I'll look at the website in different browsers and see how it performs.
0: Yep. It's amazing what you learned by just doing a Google search and just seeing what's showing up and is there a knowledge graph or is there not? And is there an answer box or is there not? And, do do other organic listings have rich data? Do do reviews come in and price and some of those things, or do they not? And and, and just just getting familiar with the SERP and seeing how Google shows that's valuable, and then yeah, layer in some of these tools um, makes a huge difference. So so I I would highly recommend. Yes, we're really focused on ads too. I think about ads all the time, but SEO is still so valuable, and will be for the foreseeable future. You know, we continue to look at Google's data and and search. Volume search volume for essentially everything continues to increase. We're searching more as a population, not less. I mm-hmm. think SEO is going to always be important. It will shift with with you know the, the more we're interacting with with voice and things like that. but mm-hmm. that's where structured data becomes super important and some of these other elements of SEO, it'll always be important. Uh, the game will continue to shift. So um, Brandy, this has been awesome. any, any final recommendations, final thoughts? anything, anything we missed? Um, did we mention? Did we mention um Site speed tests. Um, that's really um, important too. Your site speed makes a difference on SEO too. Oh,
1: so big! Such a big thing. So there are some stats that um, if a, a a mobile user does, if your site doesn't load within three seconds, they bounce. We're very impatient. We want things to load. We want them to load quickly. Yep. Um, and then there was another study, and I think it was Amazon that did it, that said that for every additional second it, load, it um, took a page to load, they lost like, I want to say 17% of revenue. Mm. And so that really affects you. And the the tool that I mentioned, um, the Think with Google mobile tester, yep. it'll actually give you an option that you can go in. You It'll test your site. It'll tell you how fast your page loads. And then you can enter your like average visitors, your um, conversion rate, and your average uh, conversion value, or your your average order um, value, value. Mm-hmm. and it'll estimate how much money you're losing because of a certain. Uh, you know, it, it says if you if you reduce it two seconds, you could make this much money. This you know this number more. Or um, so that's kind of an eye-opening thing, especially if you've got a dev team that one, our developer team or, you know, that wants to come back and push back on you and say, well, it's not that big a deal. It's only one second. If you pull that out and you say, this is this is how much a second is costing
0: us. Wow. Um, it's wow. very powerful. It. Yep. Super powerful. Well, awesome. Brandy, this has been super insightful. It's got me all excited, fired up about SEO, just like back in the day. I really appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks. Very good. Um, and as always, hey, let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Give us show ideas. We'd love to get that review in iTunes. Also, if you want to talk SEO, uh, reach out to us, omgcommerce.com. And uh, you can talk to either my business partner, Chris, or connect with the SEO team. If you want to talk um, details, we've we got some complimentary audits and some things that we, we can mm-hmm. do there. So love to talk to you more about SEO. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening.